insight, but he said the traditional way to distinguish churches in the 90s and the 2000s. What is your view on predestination? What's your view on baptism? So predestination, what's your view on baptism? What's your view on the end times? That's a big one. Yeah. What's your view on the end times? Right. And then what's your view on spiritual gifts? Modern way to distinguish churches, church between churches, these questions. What is your view on the role of women? I'm presuming in, in ministry. What's your view on social justice? Mm-hmm. Big topic there. What's your view on spiritual abuse? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your response to LGBTQ plus scenarios? Yeah. Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have honest, uncut, I forgot my intro, honest, uncut, and conversations, conversations about faith, faith life, life, and, and ministry. ministry. There we go. I felt like there was a third <laughs> thing there, but I don't know. So it's one of those things that you do over and over again, and you eventually actually forget it. Like, you know, if someone asks you for like, I don't know, your social or your pen or something like that. I have messed up the Lord's Prayer. While praying, like during, like, like praying in front of the congregation, like, okay, let's all pray the Lord's prayer together. Mm -hmm. Like I messed it up. It's like kind of like the singer who, who screws up the national anthem in front of a big crowd, you know? Oh, can you see? Oh, can you see? (laughs) Oh, Zay. (laughs) Well, anyways, um... Cameron, we're sitting down to um, yeah record this episode, and you ran across a uh, kind of a question. Um, is it related with the podcast that he's associated? with? I'm not or? sure. I guess we'll see in upcoming episodes. But yeah. maybe we can plug their podcasts. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, we um, I had started listening to a podcast from. Uh, a couple guys who, uh, a couple of Asian Americans who talk a lot about issues. They're all pastors. Mm-hmm. Talk a lot about issues face, facing the Asian American church, um, and that's obviously not our culture. And we don't really have a strong Asian American culture here in Western New York where no. we live. And so, it's a really interesting listen to me. Although, um, you know, there's a lot of familiarity just based on ministry. Mm-hmm. cultural differences within Asian American churches and kind of more like, I guess what we would be considered as like blue collar white American yeah. churches. Um, uh, they're, they're really interesting. Anyway, these guys are really insightful. I really appreciate the type of things that they talk about. They're bringing a lot of interesting guests. I yes. would love to know how they get their guests to come on their podcast. If they got to pay to do that or what. Um, but um, it's called off the pulpit. Mm hmm. And uh, we'll 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 link it here. And uh, Thomas, one of the hosts, is a guy that I did a, a cohort with, mm-hmm. a executive pastor cohort with, uh, a couple years ago now. It must have been five six years ago. By wow. Um, <laughs> and anyway, did you just time travel, Cameron? A little bit. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure I know I'm not the executive pastor anymore. I don't think he's executive pastor anymore either. So. But anyway, he asked this question on his personal Facebook page, or not this question, but he, he it was a, kind of more of a statement about the traditional ways in which churches are distinguished mm-hmm. across um, eras yeah. or time periods. Mm-hmm. So like if you were to ask the question, well, what was the church known for 
in the 50s, the 60s? What was the church for, known for in the 70s? It's kind of its like own little era, the 70s. Uh, what was the church known for, 80s, 90s, 2000s, all yeah. that? So um, here is, I don't know if this is his opinion or if he was just asking for insight, but he said the traditional way to distinguish churches in the 90s and the 2000s. So yeah. how would you know the but, difference between like if you're church shopping and mm-hmm. you're like these are the key questions i need to know right about this church to decide whether or not i'm gonna fit here yeah maybe it would be like the questions that you would want to interview the pastor or the leadership about right right or you're scouring their website to try and figure out right. what do they think about this this and this yes yeah those things maybe change over yeah. time right yeah and so um the idea here is, okay, well, what would have been those questions that you would have want answered in like the 90s and mm-hmm. the 2000s, 2000s. Mm-hmm. the early 2000s? And there would be questions like this. What is your view on predestination? So it's like, am I predestined to be saved? Or I don't even know that predestined just totally encaps- encapsulates like soteriology, like the, the theology of salvation or Are you not, Calvinist or Arminian? Sure. Are you double predestination? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Right. Um, what's your view on baptism? So predestination. What's your view on baptism? What's your view on the end times? That's a big one. Yeah. What's your view on the end times? Right. And then what's your view on spiritual gifts? Oh. So as time goes on, and now we're in like the 2010s to 2020s. Yep where we kind of are now Mm -hmm. Um, modern way to distinguish churches, church between churches, these questions, what is your view on the role of women? And I'm presuming in in ministry, what's your view on social justice? Mm -hmm. Big topic there. What's your view on spiritual abuse? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your response to LGBTQ plus scenarios? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So first, that was, I thought it was an interesting question. I think it's very interesting, too. And so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And I think one, I, I think let's talk about one, is the list accurate mm-hmm. according to time periods? What well, would you add or subtract anything to either of those lists? I, I have some things that I think I would like to talk about around mm-hmm. those, li- like adding things to them. Yeah. Um, and then maybe responding to like, maybe we could try and ask the question. Maybe we can kind of forecast what the distinguishing questions people are going to be asking in the next. In the next two decades. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with what do we think about the, what do we, what do we think about the lists? I think, um, you know, like, it's pretty hard to... I'm trying to kind of, like, wrap my mind around because, like, you only ever know your sphere, right? So I'm assuming that that list makes a lot of sense in the broad evangelical uh, kind of uh, bleeding into Baptist, uh, Protestant, not mainline denomination world. Mm-hmm. Do you think that those lists are as – do you think that – because I've never really been in denominationalism very much, mm-hmm. particularly back then. Do you feel like those lists change if you're in a maybe a different spec, uh, like a sector of the church 
group? Like, do you feel like that accurately describes like the questions that people were asking in like some of the mainline denominations or? Yes and no, because I think that one of the benefits of denominationalism is that there's not a whole lot of question about what the actual stated theology right is you're like well this is presbyterian or this is anglican or it is written in you know according to whatever your you know guiding documents are for i came out of methodism right in the methodist church Mm -hmm. it was the book of discipline which just had everything right um and you could go to the book of discipline and you could get a definitive Answer. Answer on what the church, the Methodist church, the United Methodist Church, believed on paper. Yes, on paper, which is not always the same. No, about that subject and that subject and that subject. And not every subject is covered, right? Because some of these things we we would consider secondary theological issues. In fact, I think a lot of them are kind of secondary theological Mm -hmm. issues. And so... um, But if they're the questions that people are asking, then are they really secondary? I don't know, but what I would say is that the benefit of denominationalism is that generally you know what the denomination believes. Now, whether or not the individual church or the individual pastor or leadership team upholds those theological beliefs is a completely different can of worms that essentially is one of the major things that kind of just split the United Methodist Church. Right. Well, yeah, like that's the thing is like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, well... Like, there have been, like, over the last, like, decade, there have been significant, you know, splits, shifts, changes in the mainline denominations over some of those issues. Yeah, 100%. So. Well, and you could you could take any of those four things from the 90s and 2000s, the 2000s, 2020s, um, and you could say you were a person who was coming here. Mm-hmm. Interviewing the pastors to see what they thought yeah. on these issues. Imagine them sitting down with us in my office, and I have a Methodist background, educated at uh, Wesleyan undergrad, yep. Yep. Um, uh, Wesleyan seminary. Mm-hmm. You came from <laughs> Moody. Which is dispensational, yet kind of Calvinist, yet conservative like right. just kind of all over the place but, but. not necessarily i you, you're not necessarily like a born and bred calvinist no or born and bred dispensationalist definitely or, not like, so, <laughs> so um in a non-denominational church such as ours which we serve you could sit down and you could have the wesleyan perspective on baptism but you mm-hmm. could have a um, Baptist perspective on the role of women, or you could have a progressive view right. on LGBTQ plus scenarios, or you could have a very conservative view on them, and all of those things kind of like right mix and match into this theological and methodological stew that you find in an individual church. Yep, and it's not it, it doesn't align itself with one particular theological tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer the question, non-denominationalism makes it really confusing because you yes. don't know what you're getting. Right. And then you've got to, oh, so you ha- as an individual person have to like, you have to come up with your own book of discipline as it were, or standard of what, what am I going to accept and what are the major categories that I want to know that my church aligns with? 
and what and what am I willing to disagree with? Yeah, and still be there. We talked a lot about that on yes. this podcast, just mm-hmm. about like primary, secondary, tertiary theological beliefs, and what breaks unity and what doesn't, and what's going to make me go to another church and what's not, and like, yeah, what can I live with and what can I not? And um, you know, I, sometimes I I mean like. To be perfectly honest with you, sometimes I don't know what I believe about these issues, <laughs> or my or my thoughts change. Yeah, like, yeah. Over time, mm-hmm. my 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 thoughts have my my thoughts have drifted on baptism, mm-hmm. primarily like who I'll baptize and who I won't. Yeah. Um, in particular, their age. Mm-hmm. Um, my thoughts on baptism have changed. In regards to like, um, and they're still changing, and I still am unsure. But like, what is the role of catechesis, catechesis mm-hmm. in, in in baptism? In, in baptism, yeah, both pre and post. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it's not even like as simple as being like, well. What do you believe on baptism? Okay, that's what you're always going to believe on baptism. Yeah, I'm coming right. here. Yeah, yep. You know, um, so so I think that like that '90s list, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think it was definitely a because what was it? It was view on spiritual gifts, predestination, predestination, baptism, baptism. End times. End times. And spiritual gifts. End times was a big one there for a long time. It was huge. Because of like... Left behind. Par- yeah, left behind. Are you Jerry B. Jenkins? Yeah. Like, are you going to like, is Nikolai Carpathia going to take over the world? Like... Wow, you read him, you read him didn't you? Oh my gosh, I went to his college. <laughs> <laughs> no, I read the ki- I read the teen version, Cameron. I read the teen version. Um, my mom read the adult version, but um, Jerry Jenkins is heavily involved in the upper leadership. But we had a building named after him. I did not know at, this at our college. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, he was like. Was is on the board? I don't know. I know, guess that but. makes sense now. Booty being in dispensational school. Yeah. So he's you know, yeah. it was all all the students joked uh, that it was Moody Publishing's worst decision to not publish his books because they weren't published through Moody; they were published through somebody else. I, I mean, financial decision. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But he's you know supported the institution a lot and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyways. I don't really know that much about Jenkins, but um, I know more than the average person, maybe. But. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm going down a rabbit trail. Help Are you me. embarrassed now for revealing how much you know about the Left Behind series? <laughs> a, little a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, I watched those. I watched that first, um, that first Left Behind movie with um. I hope Kurt Cameron's Kirk not watching the Kirk podcast today. <laughs> He's gonna be real disappointed in our opinion. Oh, I couldn't make it through the Nicolas Cage one though. I like mm-hmm. got like ten minutes into it. I, could, I had to turn it off, and yeah. which is unusual for me. I'll watch just about any Nicolas Cage movie. Um, but what were we talking? Oh yeah, dispen- like not dispensationalism, but like end times. Like, yes. is it all millennial? Is it? Post millennial, pre millennial, pre trib, post trib. Oh blah, blah, blah. my gosh! Um, and that was a big one. Um, people were really like, people still people, yeah. People pe- will still get 
Oh, they get fired up about that. Mm-hmm. Fired up. Like, you are not a Christian if you don't believe in the rapture. Right. I don't believe, like, I, I am not a rapture apologist. I don't believe in the rapture. Like, really? I, no, I don't. Like, I don't, not in the classic left behind sense. Like, when you say rapture, what do people think? Oh, they think, like, you're going like, to walk into the room and there's going to be clothes there. Like, somehow God just took me naked. Like he's like, no, nope, you don't need that Patagonia fleece in heaven. I'm taking you naked, boy. Oh, like boy. I have stories about that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I and I know that there are like youth groups in the '90s who pulled pranks on people of like setting out a bunch of clothes and cons- yeah. convincing people that they missed the rapture. And like, as far as that type of rapture is con- concerned, no, I don't believe in it i don't believe that it's firmly established in scripture i don't believe that it was a firmly established theology or belief in the history of the church um do i believe that we will be all caught up into the air with christ yes but that's not like what does that mean (laughs) right that that means yeah when when jesus comes back we're going to be with him yeah right like um not that somehow i'm going to disappear from the earth and there's going to be a bunch of people walking around. Like cars will crash, planes will crash, and, you know, everyone's going to be like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, so, well, I wonder. Like, yeah. nope, don't buy it. Don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. I actually, I've, I've, because, like, it's like one of those topics that was, it was always last on the syllabus in all of my, which is surprising because I went to a dispensational school. But, um, the, like, all that, uh, end time stuff was always like the last thing you talked about in theology class. And so if the professor was like running short on time, it was the part that always got skipped over <laughs> because that should tell you something. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, like, I don't mean to be like snippy or facetious about it, but like that should tell you something. Yeah. No, it's, I, I just, I don't, I think the, the, do you believe in the rapture? I don't know. Do we need to talk about I this? I actually don't know, Cameron. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like I was because I was in the Evangelical Free Church of okay. America, and they were a like pre-trib. I think they were like a like strong like pre-trib, or was it? Which, if if you're listening and you're not exactly sure what we mean, like that the rapture will happen pre or before yeah. the tribulation. Yeah, and which is also a. I won't comment. Sorry. Go ahead. No, and 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 I was kind of like I was like I don't know about that because I was in the denomination and I was seeking. I was kind of like should I seek ordination through the denomination because that was the denomination I was uh, serving under at the time. And the denomination had like a vote a couple years ago um, now, and they had a vote and they decided to change the language of the belief statement from pre-trib return to uh, glorious return. Christ will have a glorious return. And essentially, they just say, like, you need to believe... So says the Bible. So says the Bible. Uh, you, need to believe, you need to believe that Jesus is coming back, and that's the requirement for participation in the denomination. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. Um, and so that's kind of just where I've always... I've kind of been. I'm just like, I don't know. I, yeah, you know, and... It's never been the theological topic I've really been all that interested in, mm-hmm. um, and so um, I don't actually know what I really think about that. Yeah, I think I'm not the. We th- are we are just 
building future podcast topics. We are right now. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm. What are? What was the? What's the one where you think we're in the millennium now, and we're just building? Isn't like, that all millennialism? All millennialism. Yeah. I don't think I'm all millennial. I can yeah. say that with some certainty. Yeah. Um, partly because it like that has been kind of. Uh, it's that theology has been tied to some bad sociological movements spurred by Christians in the past. Mm-hmm. This kind of belief that like we're all like all progress is good progress because we're in the millennial and we're building the church and we must like continue to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of bled into like imperialism and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I just generally don't like that one. But mm-hmm. oh, um. Yeah. But anyways, there was this other there was this other topic um, that I was going to ask you if you felt like it needed to be added, um, and you would be a better person to ask than me because I was because you're because you're older than me. Um, what? But I can't. For, what's the what's the theological term for the debate over whether or not God can change his mind? Um. Do you remember? It's on the tip of my tongue. I don't remember. Off the top. Immutability? The immutability or? of God, the changeability of God. Changeability. Yeah, immutability. That's was what it is. Was that like, I was told by different people that at different points that's been like a big dividing issue. Was that, did, does not that make my, that list to you? No. No? Okay. Not in my experience, no. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it like was a topic of conversation for us dorks at theology school, but, <laughs> but it wasn't like... <laughs> But it wasn't like a, it wasn't a distinguishing question that I saw in the church. Yeah. Are you a Molinist, Cameron? I'm not. (laughs) We're going to send some people down really weird rabbit holes Uh if they start Googling Molinism. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, um, it is a good question. Um, I I have some thoughts on the immutability of God, the changeability of God. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just reading, um, in my personal reading, reading back through the Old Testament right now, and was just reading yesterday or so mm-hmm. about Abraham's conversation with God in regards to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. He has kind of the same conversation with Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because God's going to like... God's like, I'm destroying everything. Yeah, he everything he's going to kill everyone. all the Israelites yeah, after gone. having just saved them. Yes. <laughs> Say bye-bye. <laughs> Say bye-bye. And, and, Abra- um, and with the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, too. Mm-hmm. And Abram's like, yeah, but does does that really is that really in line with your holiness? Yeah, well, they go back and forth. They do. They like, like, like God about, keeps. How about a thousand? How about a yeah. hundred? How about fifty? How about ten? How about one? Yeah. And every time's like God, God's like, okay, <laughs> maybe that <laughs> maybe that's not exactly the tone. Sure, sure. Um, but the reality <clears throat> there mm-hmm. is is that it seems as though God here here would be my way to talk about that is not that God is fickle mm-hmm. um, but that God allows himself to be moved yeah. so to speak mm-hmm. by his children yeah like it's not that like God doesn't know he's like eh, heaven and hawing up in heaven like doesn't know what the best thing is right it's that he like a child is moved like a like a parent is moved by the request of their child god mm-hmm. is moved by the request of those he loves mm-hmm. and cares for yeah um this is this is one of the reasons that we believe in like that god hears our prayers and listens and answers mm-hmm. right is 
not because he's unwilling to do something, right? And we cajole him into doing it, but because he loves us, you know, if you're, if you as a father, um, you know, like if you're, if your child is hungry, do you give them a stone? Mm-hmm. You know, no, you give them bread. Why? Because you love them and they have asked, you yeah. know? Um, so no, I don't remember that being a distinguishing mark in the church. I, what I was going to say in terms of that first list is if I had to add something, it's maybe not so much a theological topic as it is a methodological topic, but I would mm-hmm. think, talk about like the, 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 the rise and the pervasiveness of the church growth movement. Mm, I was thinking worship style. Certainly. Maybe, maybe a separate poster, separate, um, you know, Thomas, if you end up listening to this, a separate post, a separate, separate topic of conversation be not so much. Cause these are all pretty much theological. Well, no, they're not theological. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> the second list is not so much theological. I don't think as the first in my mind, but you probably push me on that and I would change my mind. Um, but there certainly is ministry methodology, methodology and ministry philosophy yeah. things that distinguished mm-hmm. churches in those two eras as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say the church growth movement, I feel like, is one of them. Worship mm-hmm. is one of them. Which those two are s- closely linked. Yes. The nature of evangelism mm-hmm. or the method of evangelism, I think, is one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like the rise of the Bill Hybels mm-hmm. by the 90s and 2000s. That was already like kind of firmly established in the Rick Warrens. Yeah. And. Not do even we, so much the personalities, but the methodologies. Do we do a Sunday school? Do we do a small group? Do we? We're seeker sensitive. We're purpose driven. We're, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you know, we're we're moving away from small community church we're orange, to we're sticky, right, right. <laughs> moving away from small community churches to big mega churches as the desire of every church and every pastor. Yeah. Church growth. If we're not growing, we're not being faithful. If we're not growing, we're not being fruitful. Yeah. If we're not growing, if we're not big, we're not making a difference for the kingdom or for the people or the community or whatever. And I think that I see the reason I, I talk about that in that time period is because I feel like we're seeing less of that. I feel like people are arguing about it less. What do you mean? Like some of like um, we saw that post the other week. You and I did. Somebody was talking about like church size and was giving some like apologetics for like big mega churches. Mm-hmm. And some of the criticism, the interlocutor that the post was engaging with, was we felt like kind of outdated, like mm-hmm. a couple, like a decade or two behind yep. the question. It was kind of like, well. Uh, Axe was a megachurch. Axe was a megachurch. Like, you know, yeah. more people means more gospel. Like, all those questions. I was like, those aren't questions I think most people are asking. Mm-mm. Most people are asking the questions that are on that second list, or would I would addend to that second list of saying, well, doesn't large churches create places for spiritual abuse, unhealthy leadership, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Or in a response to our podcast, I think from last week. Mm-hmm. Does large does large megachurch provide the best place for place for discipleship? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I feel like the conversation is happening less around mm-hmm. like the 
or at least there's a turn towards, and maybe this is what the next era turns towards and becomes a distinguishing mark is like, there's a turn towards a more organic, smaller, intimate, mm -hmm. intentional model rather than a build it big, build it better, get more people into the same room um, and, you know, become a, a big, a big place. Now I am not an anti, anti mega church guy. Yeah. I'm not. Um, I think that they, um, I think it was Tim Keller mm -hmm. that was talking about the gospel community, the gospel community, the ecosystem of the gospel, mm -hmm. how but that was in that. They podcast. mentioned it in the podcast yes, okay, that we yes, listened to the right. other week. And we kind say, of where did I, where week. did I hear that? Like, yeah. But this idea that a community needs all different types of churches, big churches, small churches, monasteries, house churches, house churches. Yes. And all of those serve to yes. meet all the different people in their different parts of their faith right. journey. Yeah. I do think though, like the trend, unless the trend changes, this has been the trend for the last several years. And I'm, I think is speeding up. I think COVID sped it up. Um, the trend has been, uh, smaller churches are disappearing and mega churches are getting bigger. Mm -hmm. So that's been the trend so far, at least in recent times, is that it seems to be that we're consolidating. Centralized. Centralized. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, this is my kind of negative, like, um, I'll be a little negative. I think this could be, I, I hope that this is wrong, but I could see the rise of what we could call as like branded churches rather more than uh, denominational focused mm. churches. So like we're a, like this kind of already exists with churches that are like Hillsong. Um, mm. Whereas Hillsong functions more as a brand than it does a denomination. Mm -hmm. And the rise of churches like that, so big successful churches who create something that's closer, and I'm being a little pejorative, so like um, um, by calling it a brand and not like a church group or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but then you kind of consolidate, like do you, it's kind of like, do you go to Wegmans or Tops? Mm -hmm. kind of become something more along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there will be the, there will always be the people who are like, no, like diehard small local church. Um, but those will become less and less as the bigger churches and as less people go to church in general, because mm -hmm. we're just seeing a sharp decline in church attendance mm -hmm. and seeing an uptick in the amount of people who go to mega churches. What is the what what is the definition or the the difference between a branded church and a denominational church? I don't really know. Other than I, that's why I'm saying yeah. that maybe I'm being a little pejorative unfairly yeah. here, um, because. So I was trying to think. I think Hillsong's a great example, but I was trying to think of another example. Right, Bethel's kind of there. They do have. They they're not as well. There's not as many, but you can have a church underneath Bethel. Uh -huh. um, there's Acts twenty nine. Are they still a thing? They are still a thing. Okay. I think um, they've kind of. I mean, I've kind of stepped out of that. Yeah. Paying attention to that community a lot. Um, the Harvest Association. I think. From out of Chicago, do they did they dissolve? I don't. They may have dissolved after um, James McDonald's ugly mm. exit. Um, so I don't know. Could be. 
or they're all like vertical churches or something like that. Yeah. That's what they were. Vertical work. church network or whatever. The vertical church network. So I don't yeah. know if that's like, still There's a like thing these or not. associations or networks of churches. Right? Yeah. I'm calling them denominations. We're networks. Right. Arc associated related churches. Yeah. Um, Harbor Network, uh-huh. Converge Network. Yep. Those are all oh, networks of churches. There's like another one that's like a new thing. Uh, new thing network. Oh. I think that was a thing. Um, <laughs> the SBC. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well yeah. Like, <laughs> what are they? It is an interesting question because they do have belief statements that they ask all their leaders and churches to adhere to. There is generally a uh, leadership structure. Mm-hmm. And there's less, I think there's usually less, um, but there's, there's, there's usually at least a top-down structure. I think the thing that's kind of lacking in some of those is that there's not always a bottom-up structure. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of denominations, there's room or the ability for um, people to kind of exercise authority upwards and affect the, the denomination um, positively through accountability from the lower ranks. Whereas I think like if you're a Hillsong church, you're like, I don't think you're able to say like make Hillsong over in Australia, change policy or do something Mm -hmm. like you're kind of agreeing to operate underneath their like LLC and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, And so in that way, I think, I think that's maybe one of the biggest differences that I would maybe say is that there's less of a, there's less mutuality in the way that it's led, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit more top-down rather than top-down and bottom-up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay. What about the second list? I think that's pretty... That's I think accurate. that's pretty accurate. Because um, it was like women in ministry, social the role, justice... The role of women. Role of women. Social justice... Spiritual abuse, LGBTQ plus. Yeah. I think we don't see a ton in our area of our view on social justice necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's not a question that I think we get asked very often, if at all. Mm-hmm. But I know it's a big one in other areas, other regions and things like that. I think I want more on the topic. Or more about like what that exactly is. Yeah, like if someone were to ask me what's your what's your view on social justice? Yeah, I would want to know what do you mean by social justice? Right. Like, what do you think of when you think of social justice? What do you what are you actually asking? Yeah. You know, um, do I believe that God is a God of justice and that the church can be on the forefront? of pursuing justice for disenfranchised, ostracized, mm-hmm. marginalized people. Yep. 100%. Yep. Right? 100%. How is that how is that pursued? Mm-hmm. By a church, I think is the question for me. Yeah. Do we pursue it through um do we su- through it pursue it through what I would loosely call gospel-centric, gospel-oriented endeavors, programs, whatever? Mm-hmm. Or are we saying, no, it's important for social justice reasons for churches to engage in and enter into the current political system right. in order to 
gain traction on what we believe are social justice issues. Right. That for me would be the more pressing question. Yeah. But I would want to know too what that meant. Like what that meant. What what do you mean by social justice? Also, what do you mean by the role of women? Right. Are you talking more broadly Mm -hmm. to like um are we talking about the role of women like in marriage, like complementarian versus egalitarian? Mm-hmm. Um, so, or are we talking about um, just in ministry inside of the, like the organizational mm-hmm. part of the church? Do they get to be elders, pastors, et cetera? Yep. Yep. Would they, would you add anything to that list? That second list? I don't think I would. Um, no, I, I don't think I would, but I would agree with your previous statement that those questions are going to be more prominent in different areas of the country or the world. Yeah. Even those questions are not ones that we usually get here in Western New York, not or at least in Chautauqua County of Western yeah. New York. We'll still occasionally get some of those questions from the first list. That are kind of maybe older every once in a while. It's really interesting. Well, it's like it's an interesting sociological statement about this area. It is, um, but you know, there's one thing that I would add to both of those lists, okay. and it is: Are there people who are like me at this church? Hmm. Like I've seen more people leave a church because they're like, "Well, I'm kind of the only person in my age group," or. I'm the only person with kids this age or um, or I kind of would prefer it to be more along with the, like the music style or like whatever that I would kind of prefer. I've seen, I've seen that. I think mm-hmm. that's a kind of an unstated question that a lot of people ask. And maybe I'm kind of shift, I'm unfairly shifting into more of like what people use as a deciding factor as to whether or not going to participate a question in a church and less how they distinguish. I think the original post was like, how do you distinguish churches? Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe I'm probably shifting into a category of like, how did people decide whether or not to be at a church? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'll agree. Yeah. Any more thoughts on that topic or that question or that? I mean, I think we could keep talking about it. There's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. there. Um, what do you think the future of that list will be? I think the future, I think one of the future um, questions or views um, on that list will be around like the nature of discipleship. Yeah. How do we go about making disciples mm-hmm. in the most effective way? Yeah. A la the John Mark Colmer, Carrie Newoff. Mm-hmm. Um, conversation that we've already we referenced last week and the pathway to discipleship and the critical journey and yeah. like what do we what do we expect out of out of disciples or apprentices to Jesus and mm-hmm. um uh what is like the what is the the purpose and the place of the church that's a pretty question that pretty much everyone every era has had mm-hmm um, but especially in terms of like as the place or the body through which people are discipled. So I think discipleship and like 
um, uh, a kind of return to the old way. The old mm-hmm. ways is uh, next thing. Yeah. I think like the flip side of that coin might be like uh, it's asking the same question, but differently is I feel like there might be come a time when people ask, uh, is this church online enough for me? Hmm. Hmm. You know, so it's kind of like the two ends of the spectrum maybe, or kind of like maybe the broader way to ask that is like, is this church making disciples the way I want to be discipled? Hmm. That makes my stomach hurt. (laughs) Which part of it? Like, is this church online enough for me? I get it. I mean, I get like why that's probably a question that's going to be distinguished. That's going to distinguish churches. But we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I'm a I'm a big Craig Rochelle fan, right? Everyone knows that. Yeah. I I I think VR church is redonkulous. (laughs) I I think it's dumb, and I think it is. Come on, man! Apple Vision Pro. I get it. It's the next wave of computing. (laughs) I get why Craig's doing it. Yeah. But I'm like, it, it ain't it. Yeah. It, like, it ain't it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, I don't even think this is just like a, oh, well, for it's not a thing for Conduit and Cameron Linehart, but it must be a thing for Life Church and Craig Rochelle. Like, no, it, it's not It's not a methodology thing for me. Yeah. I, I think it's like a, I think it's, it's theological thing for me. Yeah. You, you feel know? like it's crossing into that line of like, all right, we have gone too far in disassociating our physical selves yes. from each other and from the ministry. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like, um, so I get it, and I think you're right. It, it it's not a question that's going away. It's not no. a distinguishing thing that's going away. Right. Um, but I think the question for me. The question that hits me with that is like, how prophetic of a voice are you willing to be in that as the as it goes in that direction? Right. Like, am I willing to call that out, or am I just gonna say not for me and go my own direction? Yeah, yeah. I feel passionate about that. I, I really, really, really do. Um. So I feel like I'm gonna be calling it out. And I know that you know that probably gonna be unpopular for some people, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that I'm just like a curmudgeon who doesn't like technology. No, I don't feel like that. I feel like that there is a that it's a it's actually a real thing. But I don't know. People can people can disagree, and we can we can agree that they're wrong and move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, send in your questions about VR Church for Cameron. Yes, um, please, Craig. <laughs> we can settle this on the jiu-jitsu mats, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is like your life goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Well, thanks for listening, as always, for being here. We will tag um, the Off the Pulpit podcast and yep. appreciate that little um, teaser for our conversation. Thomas, thank you. Appreciate your podcast. Um, if you're not subscribed to the uncut podcast, please subscribe, like, share it, uh, rate it, 
no matter where you're listening or what you're doing. If you have any questions for us, please you can use our text line, 716-201-0507. That sounds right. Okay, you're going to have to... I'll fix it you're if, it's fix it if it's not. You're going to fix it if it's not. And um, we'll catch you on the next episode.